0: Rock. I'm ready to try the next mile to brave sight to the blind man. It's down to the child. We will survive. If it stops, we will advance. Swimming through the water, not like a rebel fish. Jumping is specialist. Critical and survivalist. Splitting heaven, fighting from these lips. Birthday driver.
1: all that get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the home page and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. It gets the live audio playing there. You can go to .com. com forward slash time for an awakening. They stream from Ghana and the live stream should be playing there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free radio app in that tune-in search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had a bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection again that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the tune-in app drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com again that's time for an awakening at gmail.com time for an awakening also has a fan page on facebook in that Facebook search engine, you could type in Time for an Awakening Radio Program. There you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio Program with the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs. On Time for An Awakening, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for An Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB Tume. Always interesting mar- things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com, timeforanawakening.com. will take you straight to Time for an Awakening media. It's 7.07 here on this hot Sunday evening here in Philadelphia, and we're in the Sunday edition, the Sunday, July 23rd edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, activist, Director of Organizing for the International Black Freedom Alliance, Brother Tory Russell is joining us straight from Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, we're going to be touching on a lot of things tonight with Brother Tory. Uh, some re- uh, some reflections on his recent opinion pieces uh, written by him, also uh, his opinions as a grassroots Missouri organizer on the uprisings around this country from Ferguson to the present. We'll be right back to get the program started. After a brief word from our sponsors. Sisters,
2: our
3: friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here.
1: with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 7:12 here in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum. 7th and 9th Street here in Philadelphia, Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard.
9: Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, Elliot, out in uh, North Philly, they, they had a uh, jazz festival, and and, and we were um, soliciting, I'm going to call it soliciting, um, you know, to, to deal with this, try to bring the cultural, the historical cultural um um, information to to the community and 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 also you know i've been mean, you know being you know being tied to the reparations so also tying now that that commission is done. so it's it was interesting to be out you know amongst people for a few few hours and then um coming back and and going to speak with brother um Tory Tory and you know just get um some insight probably on how we can Organized based off of the works that he's been doing, so I'm looking forward to it. And yes, it was hot out there, and I loved it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know you did, Richard. You know this is uh, this follows up on kind of what we do on uh, Time for an Awakening is bringing our people in to see what they're doing around the country to move our people forward. Our guest tonight is no exception. Activists. Director of organizing for the International Black Freedom Alliance and been active in the Missouri area, not just in Ferguson, but in Missouri and beyond, uh, since the death of Michael Brown. Brother Tory Russell is with us in conversation. Brother Tory, how are you, sir? I'm
10: doing great. I'm
1: just happy to be here with y'all. I'm in good company. Brother Tory, listen, uh, before we get started, Uh, You know, because I I want to touch on a lot of things with you this evening. Some of your opinion pieces were very interesting. I I want you to share your thoughts with our listening audience. But before we get to any of the pieces that you wrote, let's go back because we're almost at the, and I don't like to use the term anniversary, but we're almost at the the date when Michael Brown was murdered uh, in Ferguson in uh, 2014. Let's go back to that date, August 9th of 2014. Uh, I guess you were probably maybe working, uh, hanging out with your family, uh, might have been in the park, doing what folks do when that incident happened. Tell our listening audience, because I always like to to get this from our people that, that are active, because... It's a great percentage of our people that are not active. They're on the sideline. They're looking. They're waiting for other people. But tell us, explain to our listening audience, what got you involved in this? And I'm not talking about because, you know, you can look back now, yourself and others, from outside of the uh, Ferguson, St. Louis area, and look back and see people that have, that have got involved in that movement down there that were opportunists. That got involved because they were publicity seekers; they wanted to make money or whatever. But talk about it from a perspective of yourself and the love that you had for your people. Tell us what got you involved and kept you involved all this time.
10: Well, I'm gonna start out by saying we call it a commemoration. We're on an anniversary. This is the nine-year commemoration coming up, and. For me, I think about this question a lot. Um, I think what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Really, I actually, for the first time in my life, felt like I watched a lynching that felt historical. Mm-hmm. Like I'm watching a Jesse Washington or some black person be lynched. For well, me to see and to be fearful. I think that was the first thing. I think the second thing. It really compelled me, because on that day, I was at football break. Okay. Um, I, was, I was trying to be a football coach. I went to D. Charles Sumner High School. It's the oldest black high school west of the Mississippi. Um, I always cracked the joke. I would never be on the Mount Rushmore of Sumner High School because of the prestigious alumni. So I'm, I'm going to do the Mount Rushmore to let you know I'm playing with house money. Um, Dick Gregory went to the Sumner High School. Mm-hmm. Arthur Ashe went to Sumner High School. Tina Turner went to Sumner High School. I mean, Bill Clay, the creator of the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, Grace Bugsby, the, the great um, opera singer. There's so many great black people that went to my high school. I would have to free black people in order to get up there, and somebody would say my name, and so I'm playing with house money. I wanted to impact the youth and I left football practice on a hot Midwest day. It's Mississippi hot in the Midwest. It's almost a hundred every day. I think people don't know that. Mm-hmm. And I saw a six foot four, 290 pound black kid slaying in the street and I said, that's somebody meal ticket. That's somebody baby who probably plays sports or can, you know, change the composite of somebody's family's life. And he laying in the street killed by Ferguson PD and so. I heard that. I seen that. I felt that, um, and I didn't want this to be a Trayvon Martin moment. I didn't want some some Negroes just trying to march and do poetry. Um, I wanted to go from a protest body to an organizer, um, and I ended up becoming one of the, the leaders in the movement.
1: Brother Tory, uh, l- let's let's look at the uh, Ferguson now or the St. Louis area because it's a lot of areas around St. Louis, Ferguson and some of the others and you can enlighten our listening audience because after that uh, after uh, uh, Michael Brown's death you had a lot of people go into that area you had uh, exposure of that area around St. Louis tell our listening audience a little bit about ferguson and that st louis area you know we hear a lot of things we see documentaries they talk about east st louis uh you never really heard anything about ferguson until michael brown's incident but enlighten our listening audience about the dynamic of those areas because ferguson is predominantly black i'm looking at uh, uh some projections here or some uh uh, uh the percentages and in, it in some of them vary but looks like Ferguson is about 70% black so and some of the neighboring towns around Ferguson is predominantly black tell our listening audience the the dynamic of what's going on and what was going on before the murder of Michael Brown okay
10: so Ferguson um, is a a suburb Um, I live in St. Louis City um a rough city, like you said, uh, we always top two in, in the murder rate. We are always uh, high in violent crime. Um, we one of the top five most segregated cities. And so the St. Louis County is no exception. And so we average um, about a police shooting every week in the metro area. gonna <clears throat> you, But Ferguson is a place where you move away from the in the inner city to go get a better life. But the but the police operate in St. Louis County um, like, like like slave catchers. And I don't mean that as hyperbole. I mean, in St. Louis County, there's um, over 85 smaller little towns and suburbs. Some of them may be 10 blocks long. And so what we're seeing is is that all of these small spots were like debt prisons. All they did was pull people over for smaller fractions, write you fines, and bag you up into the fines until you can't afford to live out in the suburbs no more to price you out of it. Well, just like Philadelphia or Chicago and other places, about 20 years ago, they wanted to start gentrifying the St. Louis city. And so for the last 20 years, black people, more black people have been leaving the inner city to go to what we call North County. It's like North Chicago or like, Uh, going out to West Chester. And if you can imagine all of these things just culminating in heaven, all these spots were segregated. Um, All the black people live to the north and all the white people live to the south. Um, And so our city is split like that, even though it's majority black. It's majority black people who don't have a politic that is connected in working class politics, even though those are working class black people. Those are black people who not like white people participating in a white flight, but follow white people and participated in a black fight flight and still ended up in a gerrymandered district in a place where Democrats would not um, give them the anti-poverty or the improvement of the education programs. And it created a well storm of racial injustice. And I think on this life From all those years and hundreds of years of lynchings and police murders, Um, it was a person who was killed about two weeks prior to Mike Brown. Uh, We had a a lot of police killers in St. Louis. I think for that one, it was a young boy in the middle of this community with people who was renting who said enough was enough. And, you know, I'm thankful that our people rose up together in a unified force in spite of the opportunities coming in turn.
1: Brother Tory, the um, I'm looking at uh, some of the things that uh, because I was uh, looking at your article that you wrote on uh, your reflections of Ferguson. And this is when you did five years. uh, It was the fifth uh, uh, commemoration of uh, of, uh, the killing of Michael Brown. And you talked about some of the things that you had instituted in the communities. Um, patterning patterning these things after the Black Panthers and some of the things that you had done, uh, the breakfast the books uh, 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 programs that you started. Talk about some of the things that you had started, you and the brothers and sisters involved, that has started uh, since Michael Brown and that are still functioning now. Uh, and then we kind of can, can go into some other dynamics, but just talk about some of the things that the positive things that uh, you and the other brothers and sisters have done since then.
11: Um, you know, since 2014, I think pretty early
10: on, we understood that uh, protest was not going to lead to liberation and that we needed programs and progress, uh, political and economic and a cohesion to actually get there. And so first thing, I and others did was create this this, this program, which is, it has it has occurred in Philadelphia. It's called Books and Breakfast. Um, we pay uh, homage to the Black Panther Party. We actually spoke to Black Panthers um, to understand how it was created and, and, and read the books and had different conversations with some elders um, that are now part of kind of like our, kind of OGs or our elders in our organization, the IBSA. And we went to work, and so we wanted to do very grassroots community organizing, unification of of poor working class or poor black folks. Uh, But we also understand the socioeconomics of it. So we wanted to just grab everybody who was pro-black, no matter how you came in, and organize around us. So we did free breakfast programs. we worked on economics. There is a spike, not only in population and political representation in Ferguson and St. Louis County and St. Louis City. Uh, we have more black businesses here after Ferguson. Uh, we have more black sit-down restaurants, and more community kind of funding and investment. For the first time in uh, 20 years, we have a black mayor um, in the city of St. Louis. And so some of those things that we worked on were successful. Uh, the grassroots organizing, some of the political things, like some of the mayors and the city council people um, and the prosecutors. They worked out, but most of them, even though they were black, they weren't. But what we did was, over the last nine years, was learn what is successful, how to assess and have uh, analysis around what we should be doing and where, learning how to work and unify forces and understand what unity is, project-based unity with black nonprofits and Other grassroots organizations to trade gardens like Henry's Garden, Urban Farms, and where we feed you know hundreds of Black people uh, weekly. And so those are the ideas and, and plans that we wanted to and tried to implement and share with places like Philadelphia and Kansas City and Jacksonville all across the country to uh, try to build up a real grassroots movement in the way that Stokely and, and, and the Black Panthers and Marcus Garvey will be proud of. We still got a little work to do, OG. I'm not gonna hold you, but uh, we have at least iron out the kinks to be able to assist uh, cities all around the world who want to understand how we get to Black Power, but you do it in a unified way.
1: Before I pass to you, Mike, the mic to brother Richard, let me let me. Um, I want to read a paragraph that you wrote in, in in one of your articles, and we're gonna be going back and forth. Uh, you know, while we have you on. Uh, back and forth to your articles, I'm be referring to some of the things that you wrote before I read that. Let me talk about um, because I mentioned about Ferguson being 70 percent black. Uh, according to one account, I read that the poverty rate in Ferguson is 24 percent. Now, Philadelphia is 28 percent and Philadelphia is a million, nine or million, something like that people. And it's predominantly black. It's not 70%, but Philadelphia is still predominantly black. The unemployment rate there in Ferguson is 13%. I think in New York City, we read a couple of weeks ago on this program that the black unemployment rate in New York City is 12%, while white unemployment is 1%. So we see here that these dynamics, these quality of life dynamics, hasn't changed hardly at all since the murder of Michael Brown. Now, let me, I, I want to read this paragraph that you wrote because I think it it goes to your feelings as a man and who you are as a person also. But l- let me read this. This comes from a, a, one of the articles that you wrote, reflecting at this time on five years. It says, I often ask myself, was it all worth it? The weeks of barely seeing my loved ones being turned down by organizations for jobs and campaigns that were being funded through the direct organizing labor that we did here in Ferguson. I watched members of my movements, family be evicted from their apartments, shipped off to jail, and sometimes I don't know what's worse, opportunists eating and building with organizations in 2014. During the heart of the rebellion, only for them to get paid and not even return a phone call when we need them or seeing people you were with in the streets protesting with being buried and jailed. You know what? The answer is yes. Always yes. I would do it again for my people. I would do it again for Ferguson. I, do, I would do it all again for Michael Brown Jr. Talk about that because the conversation is going to spin off into that. But the statement that you made there—it's really important for pe- our people to understand. It, just go into that again before I pass the mic to Brother Richard
10: or Brother Tori. Mm. Um, everybody look and I just want to say uh, uh, the documentaries the books, uh, even YouTubes and the speeches don't do the movement justice. It's a, it's a full-context sport. It's what football wish it could be. It's a real gladiator sport. Mm-hmm. You have to use your mind, body, and spirit to navigate it. And if any one of those are weak, uh, you going to and I'm saying that this say. It's gonna be some times that's gonna be rough. It's going to be some times where you feel like, and I could just go work at this nonprofit and 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 chill out, or I could just, you know, fade in or uh, retire. But I just wanna, I just wanna remind you that there's no retirement from the liberation of our people. And so, all the people I understand, or gay books or help get into the house of grass I cut, or you know, all the older ladies who. You know, I said it's going an older black woman in Orlando, Florida, who sent me my first donation, five dollars in a check, and she said I did the same thing for the Black Panther Party, and y'all still doing it. So I ain't got much, but I got five dollars. It's those people that you need to be concerned about. They can't quit on because they believe in us when nobody else would. You know, um, you know, you might not get to the White House. You might not get to the governor's mansion. They may not pat you on the back. They might not put you in the magazine. when your people want to when people call you from prison mm-hmm. and want to talk and and, 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 and deals and really be in the trenches and help our people and, to see and be a shoulder for you and lift you up, I think. You have to understand the good and the bad, and they come together. But that's what makes it a beautiful struggle, that you do going to find family and friends and people in places that you never knew existed. Yeah. And so I'm saying all of that to say, I'm glad that I made a mile to not allow what happened to Trayvon Martin Morton happened here in a way where I felt like it could have been swept under the rug or at least a movement come, couldn't, couldn't come from it. And I'm happy that I made that decision. I'm happy, even though I miss, you know, a lot of things with my own family, my family and my community has grown. And I'm doing that for this one key point. How could I, how could I, live with my family or give time to my kids or be a teacher or a coach and prepare my kids, my family, my students for a world that don't even exist. So some of us must be courageous enough to create the world that we want our future to live in and it's going to take a level of sacrifice or what we call LOC, a level of commitment that's unseen. But I'm going to tell you, a little black boy on the west side of St. Louis. And, it was all and I wouldn't trade it for nothing. And I think when you get into the movement with an organization and a movement with people who love you, you won't.
1: You won't really get it. Hey, brother, sorry, I'm going to pass the mic to Brother Richard. But if you can't, because I don't know whether you're on a hands-free, and sometimes your voice is going in and out, and I think what you're saying is important. I want people to hear every word. So if you, if I don't know whether you're on a hands-free, but if you can, can you kind of get uh, on your phone if you can out Because you're vo- sometimes what you're saying is going in and out. It is better. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> I'm a pass. All
6: right. All right. All
1: right. Brother Richard.
6: Yeah.
9: You know, and, and, and thank you, uh, brother Tory for the, for the personal development that you're going through, uh, went through and the organizational Um, learning that you um, have been engaged in and the operations that you've been a part of developing. Um, As I was listening, you know, you and and brother um, Elliot, um, one thing that came to my mind because I'm focusing on this time period and I would like the time for awakening audience to like safe center, Missouri um, was, you know, when we go back to the 19th century, Missouri is a part of that Missouri compromise in relation to what is a slave state, what was going to be a slave state and a free state. And and black folks were, um, especially free black folks, were very um, concerned about that at the time because of not just, it was about the slave slave catching system in the 1820s, 1830s. So, um, you know, and as you were speaking about you know St. Louis and and what what was going and what led up to you know and the culture that created the situation of Michael Brown. Uh, I think that we when we place it in a historical context of Missouri, that became you know one of those a part of that compromised that slave state. Um, it, it makes it, you know it becomes clear to me if if you don't mind me saying. But one thing that I wanted you to expand on that you, you, you raised, if I got it right, was that protest does not, a protest, uh, um, does not go, doesn't go to leading to liberation. Um, I think that's important based off of, you know, how you came to this moment and the work that you're doing for you to, um, help us to see, um, why you could, why you made that statement and what does that mean to you and what is the lessons that we get to from that or we should get to that um as we look at the possibility of another protest um come, you know what, what what when you say that protest doesn't lead to liberation um what made you come to that thought honestly i
10: came to that understanding um living it and studying history not enough to tell me what you don't like you have to tell me what you do like and then you have to go build it and then you have to go sustain it and then you got to go protect it and protesting doesn't lead to that necessarily right everybody don't come out and protest for the same reasons Mm -hmm. i mean i learned early on in ferguson through the first couple months, that's when people from around the country and around the world started to come in. It's like we would scream justice, but when you ask them what does justice mean, they didn't have the same and nowhere near the same definition. When we ask for freedom, what is freedom, right? We can pontificate or, or kind of articulate what that means, but if you got a room full of black organizers and they had to write the answer down on a piece of paper and put it in a box and then we all read it, we would probably come out with 80 or 90 different answers. Uh, I think what happened was I studied Stokely, I studied the you know the post uh, Dr. King riots or uprisings. I I, I seen these things, even L.A. ninety two. Uh, I mean, you got to think about it. In twenty fourteen, we was twenty what twenty two, you know, a little bit thirty years later, and we didn't have nothing. Like it was no, it was no remnants of an L.A. Uprising. And none of, none of those organizers were around to even teach us and mold us. And so we understood that protesting is meant to is meant to disrupt and destroy while programs and plans and platforms are meant to build and sustain. And so um I, I don't wanna be that guy. I just wanna say that protest is a tool in the tool belt. So the tool belt and it's not even the most effective one. It's only the most effective one when we're not organized.
9: And I think that's a, I think that's powerful and important because I think we have to. I want to interject here, if you don't mind, that we have to be prepared for those who are doing the organizing, the liberating work that. That that sustainable work those programs we have to be prepared for when the next protests come, and for those who are you know to, to hear your message. With those two, I mean, for the last I take it you know you gave us the example of how you you know what what sparked you in that moment as it related to Malcolm, Michael Brown, and 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 from that over the last nine nine years you've been not just in building within in St Louis, you've also been moving around the country because it seemed to have galvanized the generation, or that's what we're told right uh at that moment um people from around the world um you know at a certain age group um actually um seen an injustice take place for whatever reason and and I wanted to get your feedback on. When we talk about organizing and and looking at the long term and as you've been going through this over these years, this generation, what what do you you say that you can communicate based off of the protests and the liberation work that you see that this generation is like the generation? Because the generation of Stokely was the same age group and they came to the same conclusion. The Panthers was the same age group. What do you what do you see that you can share with us about this generation that those who are in different generations or the ones who are coming up should be aware, uh, based off of the last nine years and the work you've been doing?
10: I'm gonna I'm gonna say this um, as a protester, right? Who a person who loves it. I ain't gonna lie to you, but Richard. I love a good protest. <laughs> you know like, I
7: love a, so we a couple thousand
10: black people. Yeah. Yes, Uh, doing whatever we want and and creating a liberated zone. I love that. Um, But uh, activists prepare for protests, organizers prepare for everything afterwards. Mm. Um, And so our mistake was we didn't even know how to organize and recruit from the protests. We were so busy making sure that the chants and that we had enough batteries in our megaphones and we knew the route Um, that we didn't understand base building. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't understand that I don't really need the engineers and the lawyers out here protesting all the time. It's okay for them to get hit with a little tear gas, but that should speed up their maturation process to build the black liberation world that we want to live in. Um, It could be a catalyst. And what we say is, Protests in your city or alarm clocks—it wakes people up. But being woke doesn't mean that you're active. It just means you're no longer sleeping.
1: <laughs> no, boy. Um, and
10: so, <laughs> wow. and so, what we wanted to do is always understand and be prepared for the next Mike Brown moment, the next George Floyd, or the next Breonna Taylor moment. But also be or- be ready to organize. Activists, organizers, thinkers, thought leaders, speakers, problem solvers to work in cohesion, not only during the protests, but afterwards. And so I know a lot of us um, is the, probably the protest movement. Oh, geez, like I'm a fan of protests. If we don't have nothing um, to at least tell them and wake the people up. Um, but nine years in, or four hundred years into this project, and and on this land, we should be a little bit more equipped. And I think, you know, the the under the the intentional underdevelopment of the movement by Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter type organizations and groups um, has led us to not have revolutionaries or organizers. They wanted to create like a a reactionary activist kind of generation where you only saying something on TikTok or social media in the moment but you're not going to follow it to see the end of it. Organizers typically do that and so that's where our movement has led us to be more intentional about it. Um, I'm not saying I won't. If you call me and, and, and have me, I would definitely pull up and do the protest with you but I'm probably going to pull up with some people with some QR codes um, and have a meeting or two plan and already have a plan and a strategy laid out. We're just looking for those who're ready to to build on that.
9: And, and Elliot, as I, I pass it back, and I and, and I apologize if I if I throw this on you, um, um, brother Tory, but it's something that's been coming up, um, um, in our discussions around. And you know, as Elliot said, we constantly want to bring people who are actually engaged in organizing. And the one thing that's come up um, by elders, ones who were with, um, Stokely and, and, and others in relationship to, and, and, and I was sparked, I'm sparked to this based off what you said about, um, one, this one group that, that, that took the, the image, the public image, you know, that there's a buffer class, uh, uh, a, a, a group, a generational could be a generational group that, um, may be, um, not even though they're there, they may not be a part of the liberating process as you see it i'm trying, I want to make this question more clear um as do you see that there is a uh, a a group who um would take advantage of these um moment these um activist moments these protest moments? in order to diffuse them from moving to organizing. Have this experience that you can that you did you experience people who intentionally when you went back and reflected were really taken away from that grassroots organizing work.
10: Almost oh, definitely. Uh, I always say Ferguson was the place where you got to see everybody for who they truly was. Um, before they got a blue check on social media or creating some kind of public profile of who they wanted to be, Um, you couldn't have your representative out in Ferguson. Um, The people saw right through that. And I think tear gas and pepper spray um, and and direct police terrorism will make a lot of people tweet, live tweet, from a place that they're not even at the protest. And so there are many different groups who parlayed just a, a piece of understanding which created the nonprofit profit industrial complex but we understand that it was here before Ferguson mm. and so there were people who were exploiting issues for a paycheck putting paper over the people um, and putting profits over the people uh, for decades um, there are compromised people negroes and it has no age it has no social economic class I'm pretty sure I'm gonna make uh some people upset with the next two um there's no gender on that, and there's no sexual orientation um I'm seeing gay straight lesbian trans uh pansexual uh black gay men black straight women. I'm seeing everyone uh sell out um here in Ferguson um and most of them are your favorites, and most of those people are living in places and times. Um, that is not bottom bottom up organized, and it's grass. It's not grassroots, and I would argue that it's probably not even grass tops. It is <laughs> completely in the controlled opposition, uh, a part of society. And I mean, we could talk about it. You know, structurally, uh, um, there has always been a, uh, a NAACP, um, a the boys before a radical pan Africanism. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's always an antithesis. There's always a Frederick Douglass, and there's always a Henry Highland uh, Garnett. There's always uh, Delaney. There's always uh, Robert Williams. There's You know, there's always the most radical revolutionary elements who have to go in exile, like Assata Shakur or, or, or Pete O'Neill. There, you know, there are Geronimo Pratt's of every generation. Geronimo Pratt was that one. Is Josh Williams in this one. Um, there's Mega Evers in the last one. There's a King Dern Seals in this one. And so there's always these black people who are trying to push the envelope towards collectivity. And then they um, there's a class of black people. And I, when I say class, I, I don't mean it in the leftist, Marxist way. I'm not a leftist.
12: Mm-hmm.
10: Uh, I'm a pan-African nationalist. Let me be clear. I don't believe in white ideology on you know, capitalism, socialism, white, left or right. I believe. Um, and black people. And so we call it elite capture. There's always a group of people who exploit the protest, exploit the the divide between the masses and those who are in power. And there's control opposition or Negroes who wanted to replace the house Negro in the first place. Mm -hmm. All they doing is using the protest as an audition to white supremacy Mm -hmm. to be chosen Um, to be picked as the next Negro leader to make sure that we don't get what we deserve in the form of reparations and so on and so forth. Boom.
1: There it is. There (laughs) it is. is, (laughs) Listen, uh, uh, you know, you kind of open up where I want to go at with this next, uh, 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 Richard. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to read a paragraph from what Brother Toy wrote because You just start talking about it, but maybe you want to go uh, a little deeper. Um, Let me read these two paragraphs from uh, one of your published reports here, uh, your published articles here, Brother Torrey. It says, we were in the streets attempting to construct a narrative for us, of us, to share our truths, to heal, to protect, and to build our Ferguson. While our so-called movement brothers, sisters, and allies were building their platforms on our backs and redirecting resources to their pockets. We have been forced to watch the movement turn away from the masses of black people activated by Mike Brown's death and become mainly focused on lucrative mainstream acceptance from white media and white funders. With pure frustration, we saw our chance of empowerment And perseverance turn into cheap merchandise for rappers and entertainers who wear it on their bodies, but not in their hearts. We figure out pretty fast that hashtags don't move white supremacists and petitions don't change policies for black lives, at least not where I'm from. (laughs) Brother Tory, you want to expand on that before we go to our first break?
10: That was a lot. Uh, (laughs) I I, it just takes me back to that time, brother. It takes me back to that that time that I'm currently living in. It's 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 almost like the twilight zone, like my mama used to watch. It uh, it feels like um, kind of like Groundhog Day. It seems like I wake up every day to undo the things on the lessons that I should have learned and the ancestors keep giving me opportunities. Uh, I watch people say that this was a, a hashtag, a social media movement, right? The, the, the D. Ray McKessons of the world were christened by, you know, Jack who created Twitter and other white philanthropists who wanted to create a social media hashtag driven movement. But, They were tweeting about things, and for the most part, incorrectly, about what was actually happening. And so I asked the fundamental questions. If they didn't tweet it, would it still happen? Mm. And we knew that we were making it happen in absence or in lieu of social media. And so if you look at my social media, I didn't tweet a lot because I was too busy actually organizing the masses of my people. I'm sorry. I didn't. I couldn't think of the nice hashtag uh, to create a a, 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 a campaign where um, I could get on time, on Vogue magazine. That's not what I was doing. I wasn't trying to look for a BET or MTV to put me on to do any of that. I was just trying um, to do the things that our people should have been had already and show them another way that we could do for self. that We self-determined this. Um, it'll go differently. But what we kept seeing was poverty pimping. You know, we we saw the petition pushers. We saw the people who wanted you to sign up for their text alert just so they could take it to a funder and say that they're the largest racial justice um, organization in the country just because they had millions of emails. Um, and most of those people came from the nonprofits who was in charge of keeping our, system in place. If you look at, um, you know, I will just say it off the top. If you look at the history of Henry Ford and the Ford Foundation and how they participated uh, with the CIA and other organizations to keep black people down, they should not be the number one funder of the movement right now. Um, and I, and I feel like that's where we got, you know, hoodwinked. We turned away from the grassroots solutions. I, I can only say it as if, um, I don't know, and I'm not saying this to be mean to anybody. So please spur with me. I have very sharp critiques, but I love my people. it will be the equivalent of seeing Stokely Carmichael do the do the work, and then um everybody looking to want to grow up to be like Sidney Poitier because he played him in a movie. Um, I think that's where the movement has went wrong. I think that's where we got a misdirection. I think. If we can correct that going into the nine and the ten year anniversary of Ferguson, I think we can have something because I think our people are ready for not only just change, but a, a, a abolition of a bad system and the implementation of a new one that's free of oppression for all our people, Black people in particular.
1: Hmm. We're gonna take a brief break, and when we come back, we're gonna continue the conversation with activists. Director of Organizing for the International Black Freedom Alliance, Brother Tory Russell is with us in conversation. You can get involved in a conversation with a question comment by dialing 215 490 9832. That's 215 490 Time for an awakening. We'll be right back.
2: To Time for an Awakening, Time, Time for an, an awakening. awakening, with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. It's coming. This is to be Black
13: Liberation Movement. Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club presents the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. Building Power Summit, Free the Land, Undivide, and Reclaim, September 15th to the 17th. Jackson, Mississippi at the historic Black Tougaloo College. Portions of the conference to be aired on Time for an Awakening Media, Black Talk Radio Network. Calling all serious black power organizations, revolutionaries, organizers to attend this divine experience. For more information, contact Brother Patrick Lumumba, 662-560-5434, Sister Crystal Denise, 405-361-4751, and Brother Nick Bezel, 512-364-0050. That's the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023.
6: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation.
14: IBB2Me.com, IBB2Me.tv, 2 metvcom 2 mestore are here for you. You are ready to be free to join your global commit to you black family. To join your interconnected commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Ibb2me.com. ibb metv We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation.
15: that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people the brother said responsibility is it is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table the power that's in our community the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America we have to to do the job of fulfilling the Black Agenda. Thank
16: you. We have a message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock nobody takes the black man serious we are just used to be somebody's tool we are the sportsmen we are the singers and the dancers and we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers, and the killers, and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you.
17: A watchman on the wall. You are too. You watch with a political eye. We watch from a spiritual eye, but we're supposed to be the watchman for the people that vote for us. The sad thing is, the people vote, but they don't give you the money to run your campaigns. So here comes big business.
12: How are you? How are you, Judge?
17: How are you, Alderman? <laughs> How are you, Congressman? How are you? How are you, Reverend? <laughs> well, what can I do for you today, Reverend? You can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we got to be careful of. We got to be careful of who we bow down to. But see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this Powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand. Then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us.
2: Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an
1: Awakening. It's, 8, it's 8.04 on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, activist, director of organizing for the International Black Freedom Alliance, Brother Tory Russell, straight out of, Missouri with us here this evening, sharing some of his thoughts and aspirations as a grassroots organizer. You can join this conversation by dialing 215-490-9832 That's 215 uh thirty-two. Uh brother Tory, uh before we took a break, we talked uh and I and I read uh, a quote from one of your articles. And you talked about our people going to white media and white funders. These, these are quote unquote allies to get money for quote unquote black liberation. And that leads right into the article that you wrote in regards to Jay Z. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you use Jay-Z, but I don't think you're limiting it to Jay-Z. You're talking about black entertainers across the board, uh, 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 black athletes, and others that make multi-millions of dollars that have used, uh, whether it's Michael Brown uh, and any and Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, any of these movements to act like they're for the people, but then doing opposite. You made reference to them funding these black movements instead of just sitting there and uh, people going to white funders, white media, begging for some crumbs, similar to what you heard Minister Farrakhan say in that vignette piece that I played. Talk about it, and that leads into your next article. Talk about your thoughts when you wrote that article, and, and why you did.
10: <laughs> yeah, you're right, brother. It's not just about Jay Z. I feel like JV is a cultural icon for um, a younger or a generation, and my age range, I think. Um, you're right though. The assessment is not just Jay Z. It could be Oprah. It could be Meek Mills. It could, it could be Ezekiel Elliott. It could be a lot of um, black athletes, entertainers. Um, it could be Robert Smith. It could be uh, David Stewart. It could be a lot of black millionaires and billionaires and Tyler Perry's and whatnot. I think what we're asking is a fundamental question. Um, they make their money off of the culture,
8: right?
10: They, they 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 point a camera at it. Um, they put pen to paper about it, um, and they take that and and utilize that in the athletics and, and, and that their spear in a cultural way that we understand it. But it seems very individualistic. It doesn't seem collective, right? And so, what I'm asking, or what we're trying to attempt to do as the black grassroots, is Address this in a respectful manner to call them in and say, "I know y'all done a few things here and there. Y'all raised a million dollars here and there, right? But as you look at the white philanthropy, I mean, if they—if you looking at who funding Peter, then we getting outpaced. You know, if, if we talking about a, a back to school drive, the black rappers and, and athletes to do that for a free basketball or a football camp." Um, But nothing to really create a movement for, if you get what I mean. And so when I'm asking for revolutionary funders, I'm asking for people who want to go beyond a book bag drive or Mm -hmm. um, some smaller things. I want some people who want to build in Africa, who want to do these things and create industry and create institutions, black institutions. We see the attack on. Uh, black history and HBCUs. I want, them, I want them to fund the campaign to organize around reparations so we can actually get it. And then we're not begging white people or cultivating or changing our our platform so we don't offend the people who is ensuring that we can feed our family as we organize what the masses of our people are screaming for around police terrorism, around criminal justice reform. Um, I think Right now, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a divide amongst those who, who, who just rapping and and singing and putting it on their T-shirts and coming out with their hands up or kneeling and putting their black fist up, and those who are willing to ready to to go all the way and make the the full sacrifices around it. I wish, I wish that it was. I mean i say this if we just had 100,000 black people with a lot of money who would give just $1,000 a year what could we build you know we would have black economics we would have all the black mayors we want um, there would be black businesses and refineries and things built in Africa and the Caribbean and the US and, and Europe and, and even in Australia for black people in Brazil we could do that and have a movement but we need black funders to be able to do it our way. And I think their probably, their pushback would say is that the movement is not successful. But my response is that if you've been funding, uh, if you've been funding people like the NAACP or Color of Change, you haven't been funding the black grassroots. Have you, you've been funding the opposite of the movement. Now it's time to actually fund that, um, 10 years past Trayvon Martin.
1: <laughs> hey, Richard, go ahead. I, I want to add a little more to that, but that, I'm gonna pass the mic to you. And then we got some callers here. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get to them, unless you want me to get to a few of these calls, Richard, okay, and me, then come back. Yeah, go Good. Good. Let me let me go to a few of these callers. Let's first go to six six two, Mississippi. 662 662 Are you there? Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to Louisiana. Brother, are you there? Mm, let's put them back on hold. Let's go to 646. 646? 646. 646. Uh-oh. I don't I, no, I need, uh, hope I ain't got the... Uh, everything's all right. Let's go. Well, let me put him back on hold. Let's go to 215.
18: 215, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey, brother. How you doing? Okay. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Hey, how you doing, brother Richard? Brother Tory, how you doing, brother Tory? I'm doing well, family. How are you? I'm doing fine, brother Tory. All praise be to Allah. You know, I don't well. know where to first begin, brother Tory. It's like you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. You know, you deal with uh, Ferguson, St. Louis area, and and all the you know all around the Michael Brown situation is just a lot to deal with and stuff. I guess I have a comment. The a question of Brother Tory, uh, is this? Uh, I was telling Brother Elliot this morning, as a matter of fact. I uh, said about last, I think it was last year, spring of last year, I ran into a sister in North Philadelphia. And she was the oldest sister, about maybe, uh, I guess you would say she maybe in the late 60s, middle middle to late 60s. And she had on a, a, a shirt that said, I love Ferguson. So I approached the sister in a very respectful way. And I asked her, I said, sister, i minute?" Mean, going on you. I said, are you uh, from Ferguson? She said, I'm from uh, Ferguson, Missouri. So I said, uh, oh, I said so, I, so I guess you're living here in, you're in Philly now. So she said, yeah, she said, I just moved to Philly. Me and my family, we just moved here three months back ago and stuff. So we got to talking. Now, of course, you know, I brought up Michael Brown. And she told me, she said, brother, I used to babysit for Michael Brown. She's like, you know, babysit for, for him. And he's a little big child. I said, wow, you know. And, you know, we got to talk and everything. And I, and I walked him to the city and told her, I hope she, you know, enjoy her time here and you know, stay here in Philadelphia and everything. And uh, mm-hmm. it just really touched me, brother, what she said about, you know, Michael Brown and his family and how close she was to them and, and everything. And it just, you know, just, it just resonated with me. And, um uh, mm-hmm. And and then my, and, and again my and I guess my question to you, uh, brother Tory, is that as you know, when the reports came out a uh, few years ago about how the racist white system in the Ferguson area, St. Louis area, is just like they are in many parts of the United States, how they were using black people to fund their coffers. You know, they was just writing tickets for black people. You know, giving black people all, all these exuberant fines. The you know the the fund their racist projects or whatever like they use them the back the poor black people's finances to do that with, and I would just my guess my question to you brother Tory is that how did the movement and Ferguson how did they coalesce around that how you know how did they deal with that situation in the house you know how's pretty much the the movement dealing with that even now the the fallout from that you know that guess that's be my question to you brother Tory.
10: I appreciate that question. I think uh, where we are now is teaching around what happens post uprising, post-rebellion, um, post-black people rising up and saying, um, we're not going for that no more. And so um, we know the perfect storm of how black people um, are oppressed. Um, there's uh, the system of white supremacy. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't know what that is, you need to look at Neely Fuller Jr., and so everyone can understand what white supremacy is.
12: Yes, sir. And how
10: it functions is, is amazing. Um, it takes uh it it takes people in coordination to do such and so when we found out that Well, we already knew we had to just lay the argument. Organizers must make the argument and convince people that the thing that they believe in their hearts is already right and move them to say it and act on it out loud. And so we knew it was a dentist's prison. We knew that Mike Brown didn't steal those cigarettes at the store. We knew the store was in in cahoots with the police with selling drugs. Mm -hmm. We knew it was a perfect storm of corruption or what we call organized crime. Our fundamental question was, what can we honestly do about it? So we went about it in a few different ways. Of course, protests, of course, programs to develop the minds of the people and show them what's possible. We went politics and we got a black mayor, we got a black prosecutor. But what we found was, if you don't vet and have a platform for the politician, Mm -hmm. the the politician will use their race to do whatever they wanted to do. And so people like Wesley Bell and Ella Jones and other black elected officials in Ferguson are not for the protest movement. And if we was clear, majority of black people who lived in Ferguson were not for the protest. Mm-hmm. They were actually pushing back against us for coming in because, you know, we making it bad on the plantation for them. We making mass for So I got you. I
18: got you.
10: Um, and so what we have to teach around is how to, like you said, coalesce with our people and come and bring that understanding of how it's beneficial to all of us in very particular ways. And so I would say this, as a person who's from Ferguson, I mean from St. Louis, who organize with people in Ferguson,
12: mm-hmm. we
10: don't wear the I Love Ferguson shirt. They were created by white supremacists and black people who wanted to create like a kumbaya moment around Mm -hmm. Ferguson. We as protesters, we wanted Ferguson to not exist. We didn't want it to be a city anymore. And we wanted to strategically and systematically remove not only the Ferguson here or the Ferguson's around, this area, but the Fergusons in Cleveland, the Fergusons in Philadelphia, the, the right. Fergusons in upstate New York, the, the Fergusons um, in LA with all those gangs and the sheriffs. We yes. want to create a new paradigm for our people that we either say, um, you know, there can be no organized crime in our community, there can be no politics, there can be no Economic development that could be no cultural understanding unless Black people were the ones developing, leading it, and guiding it towards Black liberation. Um, I hope that kind of answers your question.
18: Oh, it did, and, and I appreciate that answer too, uh, Brother Tory, because I think it was it, it, it was well said and and everything. I mean, you hit you hit all the key points, uh, uh, Brother Tory, and I, and my last couple of comments, Brother Tory, when, when Brother Elliot said you can when you mentioned just. You said Jay Z but you can use like say any other entertainers and athletes. You make you happen to mention Ezekiel Elliott and it's just around you and mention him because, you know, I don't you know, I'm a sports person, uh, Brother Troy, but like it's actually a Me perspective, too. you know what <laughs> I mean? And I'm a and I'm a Cowboys fan. And you know, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, you know, he just he was released from the Cowboys this past year. He may he may they may bring him back at a cheaper price. Who knows? But that's here to there. I'm I'm glad you put up Ezekiel Elliott because a lot of people don't realize a uh, uh, brother Troy that his father is in the nation of Islam, and I had brother mentioned brother Stacy. Yes, sir. And I had mentioned the brother Ellis. I understand how Ezekiel can cannot get it. If his father, you know, his father is in the nation for a reason. If he's teaching you stuff, brother, you know, it pays to listen. But it just shows that. You can have a father that's in the nation or any kind of other, you know, a progressive black movement, but the sons and daughters not listening. You know, they not they don't get it and stuff. Because you know, you can we look at Dr. King. You know, you see he got a, a cousin that's a complete handkerchief red negress, You know what I mean? He talk crazy, trash her own people every time. So just because you are a, a offspring of somebody that's great, don't mean that you. That, that you get it, you might be at the table. The old single. you might be at the dinner table, but you're not a diner. You know what I'm saying? So so they, they still sit out, and I, I, and I hope and pray, brother, pray one day Ezekiel get it, brother. I said because man, you would he would, he would have been going through the stuff he went through with the white girl and stuff now, at Ohio State if he had to listen to what his father was telling him. But sometimes these brothers and sisters they get out there on their own. Brother Tory and they just don't listen and and, and, and and once they get in them situations, I guess they realize what mom and dad was trying to put in their, in their, in their empty head and then maybe some of them get it at some point and, and, and sadly, brother Tory, some of them never get it. You know what I mean? But but your point is well taken about the uh, athletes and entertainers' period because you know it's the old saying goes like this: Brother Tory, white folks when white folks get money for the most, part, of them they buy. They, you know, black people buy things or items, but tell us white folks buy power, and I think that's what you're alluding to. You're yeah, having a book drive is nice. That's all good, well and good. Like you said, having a this- Football, basketball camp, but buy tangible things, like you say, Brother Tory. Get, get, like you said, these brothers and sisters that can give a thousand a year, like you say. Imagine what we can do for our people economically. Build, we can build a civilization, move our people forward. We can build factories, build schools, hospitals that, that any you know, right thinking, civilized people need. Like you said, put things in place that going to give your people lifetime things. That's your legacy and stuff. So the band, remember, that's just a great athlete or entertainer, because athletes and entertainers, they come. I mean, go, but leave leave your mark on this planet that you did something tangible for your people. So I, I'm sure you on that, Brother Terry. We want our people to build a position to build stuff that's going to be long-lasting, man, long-lasting, way after your sporting days is over or your singing days is over or your rapping days is over. Build stuff that's tangible because, like I say, white folks, when they use their money to buy power, unfortunately, some of us a lot of times, we buy things. When I say things, I'm talking about four or five cars, and you can only drive one, Mm -hmm. you know, five or six houses with 26-room mansions. Remember that old comment about the late great Tupac Shakur? He said these brothers buy 26-room mansions. He said some black folks out here don't even have a room. But you got a 26 year old mansion. I mean, come on, man. The foolishness that we do with our money and stuff like that. So you know, so I'm. i you in that brother Tori, and I just you know, pray brother that brother that that you keep doing what you're doing in, 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 in Ferguson and and elsewhere in St. Louis and, and and move our people forward. You know, I look at brothers like yourself, Patrick Lamumba from from Mississippi, and all y'all brothers and sisters around the country that's trying to do y'all part. Because I want me as a member of the listen, I'm about to try to help out where I can. Because I don't claim a hat off the answers. But I try to give my money when I can. But when, when, when I'm in the financial to do it, to donate to your cars and everybody else's cars, cause, because I know at the end of the day, what I donate the job financially is going to help all of our people out throughout America and throughout the world. Hopefully, so I'm I'm here to help out, uh, brother Tori, any way that I can. And I just pray out like and continue to bless you and all the sisters and brothers that has got like minds that's doing what y'all trying to do to keep our move our people forward, brother Tori. And I just appreciate what you're doing, brother. That's it. Yeah. Uh-huh.
12: Thanks for your contribution. You
18: your You're welcome, brother. Mm-hmm. Right. I put early, I listen to the rest of the show. All right. Mm-hmm.
9: Richard, go ahead. I was I was wondering, um, brother Tory, uh, something that you, you said um, about the you know the funders, uh, and I don't. Sometimes you 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 never know whether even with um, you know um, honest and, and principled men like yourself, you know how do we communicators and want to communicate in, in order that we don't um mess up things. Cause I'm I'm wondering, do you have views on why um these the cultural production artists aren't um looking at you know communities and and and, and sharing some of their um you know uh even even just their uh social capital. In the work that you do. You know, you said about book bags and I, and, and it's interesting as how many book bags cause I seen and Elliot you were sharing with me how a pack was made of ten million dollars to try to assure Hakeem Jeffries be speaker, or how a pack of black professionals was um developed for one um presidential election. And and I'm wondering um how they, these individuals can put that kind of money together to, you know, for these kind of activities. But when you're talking about um, grassroots organizers in communities that are touching real people, working class people who are struggling with real issues like um, with the police or or with, you know, students, and you don't see that kind of... They don't have that kind... You don't hear that kind of money being funneled in the grassroots (laughs) communities. Um, You have... Do you have any... Did you have any conclusions of why that might
10: be Yes, sir, Brother Richard. I, it took me a long while to understand, to go beyond um, trinkets, charity work, and how we do powerful work, Frank. Right? Um, I think one, um, I think it's three things. So one, I'm going to say, I think, and I've had many a conversation with a lot of rappers. Um, I don't think they understand power. I don't think they understand black power as a concept. Um, And I've spoken to a lot of the rappers who we would determine to be pro-black or black or at least from the culture, right? They don't have analysis of how to obtain black power. So when I say things And I'll give you an example. Um, We was in Akron, Ohio um, a year or two ago around the killing of Jalen Walker, and we walked down to LeBron James School, okay? He owns a beautiful cluster of schools where, you know, it goes, I think, all the way up until high school, and I think, you know, down the street is the high school he went to, and so he he solicited Nike and other places to invest and I'm saying like what's the point of spending a few million dollars on a cluster of a school when for that same amount you could just buy the school board and take over the whole school board <laughs> every school in Akron could be a LeBron James Institute mm. if you just spent the same million dollars on the mayor The director of education or the minister, you know, uh, department of education at the state level and ensure that all the school board members are your people. All you got to do is say, I'm LeBron James and here are the people that I want you to vote for on the school board and I want these people to be the president and you're going to do it in a little place like Akron, Ohio. (sighs) But they don't do that because no one is talking to them and their handlers won't allow. Uh, you know uh, a, uh, a LeBron James or Ezekiel Elliott to talk to a Toy Russell. That's what if I was, you get that,
8: that's what
1: I was getting ready um, to mention. Go ahead, great Go ahead, brother Toy.
10: Um, because I'm a I'm I'm not coming to you. I I'm gonna tell you right now. It's enough Negroes in the Divine Nine to fill up bu- book bags for Black people all across the country. So we don't never need a rapper or athlete to do another um, book bag drive. We got the Divine Nine for that. We need black political power. We need to run the school boards, and I think what happens is, is that um, they can raise money for Hakeem Jeffries and PACs and things of that nature because they're part of the Democratic Party. Uh, we know politics is quid pro quo. We can play this game if if we want, I'll try to play in people's faces, but. The same black professionals that raise $10 million, if you follow the money, I'm pretty sure the institutions they work for are probably getting tens of millions in grants mm-hmm. or loans or subsidies or TIF money. Um, and so I think what we're watching is a class of Negroes take care of each other and not the masses of our people and definitely not our babies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think last and not least, I think, some of these Negroes have been told by the powers that be, uh, you Negroes can't do that.
12: Mm-hmm. You
10: know, uh, my one of my best friends, Lamont here in St. Louis, who do amazing work around shutting the hood down and make sure that the baby's got a safe space and make sure everybody got a little barbecue or something on their is. I don't think, I think the white man told them that they don't allow to do that. Cause who wouldn't want to live in Public housing owned by Beyonce, owned by Megan The Stallion, owned by uh, Lamar Jackson in Miami. Who wouldn't want to live in that public housing unit where you know all your kids' book bags is going to be all right and, you know, you get paid for community service? It's a cultural thing, and I think when you don't understand how culture feeds into having black power, then all you have is foolish black pride around things. And you don't have the power to create or mass produce or to instill that in the community. And I think that's why we keep bumping our heads, is because we're not having these conversations that we're having today in black media. You, CNN won't even let me talk on there that long, let alone if I get to talk about black power, you know, ooh, we gotta
11: go. <laughs>
10: and so um, I think we have to push and really. Take our black people eyes or and ears out of listening to white media and listening to black media. And so for me, I've always had a practice. Even in Ferguson, when I was doing MSNBC and New York Times and CNN, I will always do a small black media company once a week, and I would do it multiple times. <clears throat> I think what happens is that we don't respect the black media as activists. We're too busy trying to talk to the masses, not knowing that once I come on a small radio show in Philly, I can reach the grassroots who's really serious about this, and we can actually walk down to freedom together. I think – that's also like what Black Lives Matter underdeveloped and other entities like that underdeveloped in the movement. Because Ferguson, we've always been around black everything, black football leagues, black radio stations, black T-shirts made by black producers. Um, I think that's how we change it if we do that. But, you know, maybe Jay-Z will call me back or send an email. and uh, You know, maybe they'll fund major black radio and, and TV all around the world.
1: No, thank you for that, Brother Tory. Uh, before I kind of go to what I wanted to ask, I want to go back to something that you mentioned a minute ago about your conversations with a lot of black uh, rap hip hop artists, because mm-hmm. I know that they probably reached out to you, being you know because of your work in Ferguson and in the St. Louis area, and you said that you believe that a lot of them are not even aware of. I'm sure. Listen, and and I, I I just want you to kind of expand on that. You don't think that they? I'll put it this way: Do you think they use a historical perspective on the challenges that we face and how it should be approached? Sure, they, they're aware of uh, the Michael Browns and the and the uh, and the, the incidents that have happened. If they if they got a newspaper or watch television, they're aware of these things but as far as the historical perspective on how we should deal with it, you said that you don't think that they're aware based on their responses to you. Is that, is that what you're saying?
10: Yeah, I, I, yeah. I've sat down with a lot of them. Um, conscious rappers, gangster rappers, uh, rappers with millions upon millions of dollars, underground rappers. Um, the vast majority of them are emotional. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you anything other than the truth. They feel some type of way. And now since they feel some type of way, they are moved to do something. It may not be the right thing, but at least they can check the box and say they did something, right? Uh, I've always been the person to push them beyond that and really challenge them on that. I think sometimes that strains and kills relationships because I think um, to them I'm not somebody who should be questioning what they doing with their little 100000 or $200,000. But at the end of the day, you know, I am the person who organizes with grassroots cities and, you know, I've been to every continent. I've, I've protested in every continent on, on the planet. I've been in community with black people in Australia, in Africa. I'm, been to the favelas in Brazil. I've been to the slums in, in in northern France. I've been to Germany and seen the Black AME church and seeing how they organize. I've been in all these cities across the country, and it's it's the same thing all around the world. It's the same song. And for the life of me, I can't understand why we're still singing the same song out of hip hop, which was created out of a revolutionary understanding that we have to be a voice not for the voiceless, but a voice that those in society will not listen to, and I have to give credence to that. And so they don't understand. You know, you got Negroes calling Atlanta Wakanda. You know, they don't understand what this is, right? It's, it's, it's. you know, it, 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 I, I'll say it like this. It's, for a lot of it, is it's as if you finding out that the person who rap about, black power only rap about it cause they heard James Brown in a song and the producer put it on the hook. It's not really, they not really, most of them not really living that. It just look good and it sounds good on the track. Uh,
1: wow. Richard, listen, Richard, you, you, listen, you see why I quote that, uh, that, uh, that scripture, our people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge based on the response that I just got from brother Tory. Because yeah. if you're going to all these places around the globe, places on where we are, and it's the same common thread. We we we, we got to and, and and let me add something to that and because you touched on it with Richard in your talk, that if you have some that are aware, they are afraid because the quote unquote handlers who tend to be white and of a certain religious persuasion don't want them involved in these movements. So they don't get involved because they're afraid that the rug will be pulled out. Similar to what, I mean, and, and the thing about it, we see these people publicly flogged in front of black folks. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, his name just flew out of my head. That was uh that, um, yeah, what's say that again. It just, it just left my had, head too. Nick uh-huh. Cannon, Nick Cannon, for example, When he uh, made some comments, well, he had uh, uh, the brother on that made comments about uh, Jews wasn't the original people, that the original Jews were black. And when he agreed, all he did was agree. He had the the show snatched from him that was on MTV. He had the other show snatched from him that he was hosting on the, the regular network until he apologized about 50 times. And then he was allowed to get his trinkets back the same thing with whoopi goldberg she made comments about uh well you know uh, uh jews and germans they were both white it was just a man's inhumanity to man that's what she said and the next thing you know she's off the air and then had to apologize 50 times or two three times see when we see these people beaten like almost like kunta kente was beaten before other black folks and then there's no response and especially no response from leadership who is supposed to be the voice for black people. You're supposed to be charting a course to advance our people. And you've got leadership that is co-opted because they get money from their campaigns from these same people. So we got to when and I agree with you, when we talk about political power, Brother Tory, we got to do something different than what we've been doing. And that goes towards the question that I wanted to ask you because you touched on it, and I just want you to go a little deeper into it. When you talked about the mistakes, you see, you see the victories, the, the uh, restarting of the breakfast program and things like that that you're doing, the organizing period, and being able to go around to other blacks and other countries and see what they're doing. Those are blessings, those are victories. But when you talk about the mistakes, one of the ones you mentioned was not vetting the people. And I think that's key because these people get into the move and the, and the people generally look like us, but they're working for somebody else. And when they come into these movements and they derail these movements, it hurts. It sometimes it sets movements back. And sometimes it destroys movements, which is the, the objective anyway. But talk about it from the perspective that you mentioned about the mistakes that was made about not vetting uh, folks involved.
10: I, I could talk about folks involved, but I, you know, I'm a leader, so I'm, I'm gonna start with me, brother. You know, you know, it was mistakes I made. I didn't vet. I didn't look into the organization. I didn't go to see what their nonprofit mission statement was. You know, I didn't ask who sent you. Like how? Like who paid? Who paid for your flight? You know, sometimes you gotta be that direct. Did your, did your move? Did your job send you out here? Or did you come out here on your own? You get what I'm saying? And yeah. so, I, I think I didn't ask that because I'm. I mean, black people showed up in a little place called Ferguson that nobody knew about last week or last month or last year, and they said they want to help. I, I I believe that's my fault, I guess for trying to be in community with black folk that look like me. Um, I think what it was was we weren't organized. We weren't well organized. And I think that's the the key. As I go around the world and and do these things, I'm not going to – I'm not trying to be the greatest speaker of all time. I'm trying to, you know, be the the organizer who actually – organize with other black people to actually accomplish the goal that black people were finally free that we could say uh in this year in 2030 we was free forever and that was the beginning of the change of the time for black people i want to be known for that but i understood after a while that i couldn't be an individual activist i couldn't be the famous spokesperson i, I you know that wasn't enough i needed to be in an organization that was well organized. That could do our research to to investigate and get to the bottom of it, because, like you said, it is it's systemic. You know, it's you know it's bad education in St. Louis public schools, just like it's bad education in Philadelphia public schools, just like it's bad education in Nairobi, Kenya. It's 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 a system that's making sure that we are uneducated that we don't understand the system of white supremacy, that we don't know our history, and we don't know the great things that happened. And I think the mistakes that we made was we don't teach how often we resisted, won, or fall back. We don't even teach other people how to actually effectively organize but we want people to join our organization. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. we had to really wrestle with that since 2016 at the founding of the international black freedom Alliance so that we could be a pan African organization that understood what does it mean to be in relationship? What does it mean to actually launch a campaign? Um, Why do people do petitions? And we wanted to understand that and then take that to the people to understand what the mistakes in the Iron King sound. And then we went to our elders. I think one biggest thing in the movement of Ferguson and Black Lives Matter was we, you know, we allowed the narrative of we don't need the elders. We got it. If y'all was really good, we wouldn't be here. And I was like, after a while, I was like, yeah, that's probably stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You know somebody who put in work longer than I've been alive. I'm just don't dismiss them because they got old. Come on now, that made no sense to me. And so I was always, I made the mistake, but I also attempted to correct the mistake. Damn. And I think now in our organization, you know, we got old Black Panthers in our organization. That's you know, seventy some years old. They they love it. They love to come. And, to people like young Anaya and other people who 20-some years old that was a teenager back in Ferguson, seeing them leading projects and campaigns and organizing the people. I think our mistake was we wasn't intergenerational. We didn't teach people how to organize because we didn't understand what organization really could lead to. And I think I'm not, I'm saying we, but I'm saying me. And I think as an organization, as a leader, we have to be able to tell our people the truth out loud and accept that and, and say, I love y'all enough to tell y'all the truth. Don't hold it against me. Just come learn with me and we'll get there beautifully together.
1: Wow. We're going to take another brief break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to continue the conversation while our guests are still with us. You can get involved in the conversation by dialing 215 490 215 490 32, time for an awakening. We'll be right back.
6: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital
14: plantation. abibitumi.com, 2 mecom abib 2 are here for you. You are ready to be free to join your global commit to you black family. To join your interconnected commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. IBB2Me.com. ibb metv We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation.
16: you know that
3: some of us are not afraid, that even though we may be elected, we'll say what's on our mind, but we must understand that we're freedom fighters first, and that all the other things come next, that I'm a black man first, and then a state representative. I don't confuse the two, and I think it's time for us to wake up and realize and understand that you got a lot of us that are willing to go to battle, because of freedom. Ain't gonna never be free unless we take it. There's too many of us sitting around is going to come to us on some damn silver platter. Wake up, you fools, and understand, this man has no respect for you, none, none whatsoever.
15: And know that this problem needs to be solved, and we can't keep
19: Because of the kinds of victories that were won by the Southern Freedom Movement, uh, black people occupy far more establishment positions than they did back in my day, in the, in the 1960s. So in a sense, you also have a struggle with, with, with a kind of black... Establishment that has a vested interest in the status quo. So you're up against a, 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 an establishment within the black community that we never had to face because it didn't exist hmm. because of segregation and discrimination. And that makes their task, if they want to organize, much, much more difficult with respect to the black community. Than what we had to face.
3: Today our people can see that we're faced with a government conspiracy. This government has failed us. The senators who are filibustering concerning your and my rights, that's the government. Don't say it's Southern senators, this is the government. This is a government filibuster. It's not a segregationist filibuster. It's the government filibuster. Any kind of activity that takes place on the floor of the Congress or the Senate, that's the government. This government has failed us. The government itself has failed us. And the white liberals who have been posing as our friends have failed us. And once we see that all these other sources to which we've turned have failed, we stop turning to them and turn to ourselves. We need a self-help program. philosophy. This is what you and I need to get with. And the only time, the only way we're going to uh, solve our problem is with a self-help program. Before we can get a self-help program started, we have to have a self-help philosophy. Black nationalism is a self-help philosophy. What's so good about it, you can stay right in the church where you are and still take black
12: nationalism as your philosophy.
2: Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 8.50 on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, activist and director of organizing for the International Black Freedom Alliance, Brother Tory Russell, is with us this evening. You can get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. It's two and five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Uh brother Tory. the um we, we see now moving forward, because you know, some of our people that kind of bought in to uh having faith in the quote unquote allies, European allies, uh after uh George Floyd was murdered. Bionna Taylor and Amon Arbery and the police abuses, um, black folks thought things were changing. When white folks was out there in the street with them, Holland, George Floyd, George Floyd, when you had a unique situation that caused them to get out there, you had people that had been cooped up in the house for over a year. They didn't have sports. They couldn't go to the games. uh They couldn't go to football games, basketball games. They, they had to wear masks everywhere and they were cooped up in the house. So when that happened, you had white folks out in the street busting windows, turnover over cars, and things of that nature. But now, being that this stuff have not changed, people are still being murdered by the police, and now you got blacks murdering other blacks, like similar to what happened in Memphis. This stuff have not changed, but the only difference is you don't see white folks out there in the street with their fists in the air protesting. Because things have went back to normal. But the thing is now, you see the government, just like Malcolm said in that vignette, uh, the government now pulling the rug out from under black people who thought they, they were citizens of this country. But white folks always had a different perception of blacks being here and their quote-unquote citizenship. So you see affirmative action, the rug being pulled out. Also, that next day, that 1890 law that was in Mississippi, upheld by the Supreme Court, which is going to lead to a lot of other things happening as far as people voting, black people voting in the South. Uh, This, These things like that is going to, in my opinion, is going to drive black people into doing for self. It's going to force some type of reaction among black folks. Now you're going to get some that's going to be just content to be on the plantation, almost as similar to us as it was when we were enslaved. Oh, I can't do anything. This is how things are going to be, but you're going to have a, a a percentage of our people. That's going to be, that's going to be forced into action. In your opinion, because you wrote a column in relation to that affirmative action, give me your perception of these things happening And what our people should be doing when these people are doing these things?
10: I think we see it, and John Henry Clark laid it out. We as black people, we have no friends. We have no friends. We, um, the same white woman who, um, was in the streets, um, you know, uh, for Black Lives Matter and Ferguson and Tamil Rice and Eric Garner, twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, they all turned around um, and voted for Trump over Hillary, and then tried to blame Black people for it. <laughs> the same white women, okay. Um, and twenty twenty came, and, and, and the same people who saw what was happening in George Floyd moments and Breonna Taylor I spent six, seven weeks in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Protest and organizing for justice for Brianna Taylor to no avail with a black attorney general by the way they, um, um Daniel Cameron, they turned around and voted for the same Democrats who uh, wouldn't do anything for us. I think what we're seeing um uh, out of the supreme court uh you could we we're seeing that white people want to play the game in one way, and there's another group of white people who want to play the game in another way. and <laughs> We have to use both of them, you know, like, like uh, uh, what my daddy would say, uh, we got to play two against the middle. <laughs> you know, while white people fighting each other, we should be building up. We can no longer be policy mules for them or political mules. We can't just deliver them an election. What good is having um, the NBA that, uh NFL, the MLB, the, the, the NASCAR, um, all these, the WNBA gone strike for a couple of days if a white man who uh, didn't want to give buses to desegregated schools and help orchestrate the 94 crime bill and institute child support at a federal level um, is winning the election. And we don't have a sufficient ass. I think we are now in a time where people are seeing that the Democrats and the Republicans don't love us. Um, the socialists and the capitalists don't love us. Um, the Arabs, the Jews, and the Asians are not our friends, even through proximity of oppression. Um, the white feminists who wanted to scream and cry about Roe v. Wade, they'd never tell you that Roe v. Wade was uh, uh, a political trick. The lady who started the the um, the case locally lied and said that black men raped her, and she did that because she knew if a white woman would be raped by black men, it would legalize abortion. Look at it. They don't teach you the history of these fights or these cases that we look at. And further action was a culmination of this. I know some people might agree or disagree with my point of view, but I do think that Clarence Thomas is right. The Democrats are just as racist. There are liberal people who sold out, just like there are conservative people who sold out. He just has a preference. He would rather play the game with conservatives because he thinks the Democrats are the are the worst. And I believe both of them are white supremacists. I think that now we are in this time where doing for self has to happen. They're going to take all the black history. We're going to be forced to fund our own HBCUs, or they're not going to exist. We're going to have to run cities in a black way, not a Democratic way, not a Republican way, not a conservative way, not a progressive way. In a black way, and do for self in cities like Philadelphia. Or in Detroit, or in Atlanta, or St. Louis. These are these black meccas, Jackson, Mississippi. It's not enough to just have a black face or a child of a black activist. It's, I want to see the policy be black as well. Don't just live off your parents' name. I think that's what we're moving to in an internal cultural revolution where you either live in pro black 24 7 and you govern it and your economics is pro black or you die. And then we need benefits and punishment for that. And I think affirmative action in these last two years of just exposing or four years of exposing what that looks like on both sides of the political aisle means that there's no seat for us there. And that we need to come inward and organize that collectively.
9: Hmm. Uh, Richard? Oh, you know, y'all y'all hit everything that I was going to say. I was going to, <laughs> I was going to that the, the, your your view of the uh, the this political season and from a from the perspective of a organ or, organizer. Um, so you, you, in the in the general, you kind of touched on it, and 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 you had mentioned earlier about the sister I think that became mayor and uh, council person. Is there um, do you see that there's a political, um, more political insight amongst the um, the the people in Ferguson, in that in that point of, from the point of, you know what you were in making a self evaluation about a, the selection process? Is there um, in Ferguson to you right now uh, a mechanism for selecting? Um, local politicians, and that it doesn't have to be mayor. It, it could be at whatever level. Do you see that that process is being formulated like a people assembly, um, you know, that they talk about in in, in Jackson or, or, or something to that effect that is happening?
10: It's definitely happening. I think now we have to be more intentional about it. Really. I think what has happened in the electoral sphere is, History, you know, um, you got a Negro mayor, you got a Negro city council, it might be majority black, you might even have some black people on there with some real African names, you know, they, you know, it might do the whole
11: thing for you, but
10: um your baby's still gonna get pulled over and beat to death by the police, you're still gonna have, un- you know, inadequate housing, the water and the pipes still gonna be rusty. And so I think now our people are seeing beyond the facade of just voting a in because they black. I think they needed two, they needed a national Obama and a local Obama to know that fat meat is greasy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that now has changed people to ready to organize. And what well, as we see it as IBFAs, we need to make black people create a, a, our own national black agenda, which we will be launching um, in a couple of weeks. And, and we want our black people to come down to one issue, or one issue only is reparations. Mm. We believe that if we create a one issue, idea, identity for black people or African people, not only locally, but globally that either you for the global unification of black people. And then we deserve our first policy as a a well thought out, reparations package um <clears throat> that's a non-starter either either you for that or you against that and if we can organize that to our uh what we call, what we call our political common ground for black people because I think the vast majority of black people no matter where they fall on the spectrum conservative Republican, Democrat liberal progressive they believe that we deserve reparations mm-hmm. I think if we make our people that, then we can organize around that pretty swiftly.
9: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's something that you had said uh, in, in that whole thing of uh, of being able to, you know, evaluate and, and the issue, because yeah, as I was telling to um, Brother Elliot, um, I was, um, we were working on you know, just getting the cultural organizations to kind of work together and the sister, you know, uh, who lived in this community and been doing, um, you know, historical work in the community. And, and I'm one who has been kind of like moving around, um, the city mm-hmm. and, and been a part of organizing. But for her, um, she asked that she asked. I mean, she seriously asked that question that you asked, um, uh, where did you come from?
18: Who's behind
9: you? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like I was like, oh <laughs> you know, I mean she you know, like I, I I live in this community, I see you here, and I had to run down my history, which was a good thing, but to, to run down how I got to that point. So I'm just reemphasizing um your point on on that. But also I was carrying, you know, because in Philly they just, um, you know, uh, accepted the council. Accepted the to to have a reparations task force, and mm-hmm. talking to the local organizer, um, you know, in LA, that have been um, pushing that there should be a separate task force by community. You know, whatever the political machinery Correct. does in, in dealing, the community should have its own task force. So, it, you know. And floating that ideal, and I think that goes to your point that reparations be um, centered, because th- most Black people will identify with it. But even then, we have to organize at the at the community level um, around that, not let the political machinery organize, define, and then dictate. Um, so I I agree wholeheartedly with what you projected. Uh-huh.
10: Appreciate that. I think we should do the same thing with our politicians and even those who are organizing around reparations. Where you come from, you know. Um, St. Louis question for us is: what's, What high school you went to? What school you went to? Did you go to one of the oldest Black high schools in the country, or did you go to one of them things that the white people put up? And um, you know, did your family believe that white ice was colder than, than black ice? Um, what's your politic around this? And I think that's how we get there. We also have a task force. Um, Our black woman mayor has created a task force full of, you know, Negroes who don't even live in community with other black people. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, I just keep it a book. I I think how we get here or how we get out of here is the grassroots must organize people. It's not enough to complain. It's not enough to just have a critique. Oh, I hate the task force. They ain't talking about nothing. But when they tell you that your reparations look like free book bags for every kid to go to school, you're going to uh, be mad. You're going to be real mad. So you might as well get involved in the game right now and be organized and become an organizer of a real plan where we get the resources. that we, You know, we have thought about it and we created a framework for our reparations plan around the history post-slavery. We don't even like the slavery part. That's easy. I want to say, you know, I want to tell the people what you did to me back in 1987. There you go. You see what I'm saying? And so I think sometimes even the reparations movement now is too short-sighted. They don't even understand how it's whooping you to death. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, if you didn't know the bank of America used to be the bank of Italy and they stole all the money from uh, Ethiopia then you know <laughs> you miss you miss a check or you miss an opportunity to hold a white supremacist accountable and that's, that's where we are have gotten to in our organization and so and I just want to be clear we don't gang bang on the set we 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 are a pan african nationalist organization we re- we represent black people that don't even understand that fully yet, but we're willing to walk them to that understanding. So we have made great strides in organizing ADOS, FBA, Men, Blacks First, these thoughts of black people, but because that's their first level of consciousness. They haven't even got to their higher consciousness of self. And so we just try to organize through that. And um, through, you know, very intelligent, organized ways, we have raised the consciousness of everyone to a political
1: oneness it's it's one might say uh before we uh wind things down let me go around here because uh when i went around a few of these callers they might have been stepped away from the phone. let's go to uh
8: louisiana again caller yes greetings and i want to thank you for the guest that you have this evening yes sir um first thing I can say is black media matters. And until we start organizing and structuring black media, those are the ones that are not really recognized but have an impact in our local communities. We need to give them some national exposure as well as prominence within our community, because those are the ones that will give us the story as it is without it being uh, fabricated or diluted. The second thing I want to say is it's hard to tell the truth. And as activists in telling the truth, we have to not only admit, but recognize that our enemy has always been in the midst of our house mm-hmm. and until we are not able to keep the the influence of our of our enemy out then we have a problem and I'm speaking on the fact that we've got to, as activists, have to be straight up with people and and educate them that Jesus ain't our friend. The sororities, the fraternities, the Masons are not our friends. And we're also going to have to reach out to those gangbangers because they can deliver a service that we need and we must utilize if we're going to win this war. There's so much that has to be said, has to be taught, but people are not willing to tell the truth about it. And that's I, I'm I'm very glad to hear this brother bring it the way he has brought it because it's the truth, it's what's happening, and it's what is definitely needed if we're going to fight this war with any expectation to be winners at any point in time. Hmm. Oh,
1: uh, I want to thank you for your contribution. Uh, uh, before you go, uh, 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 Brother, brother Wets, uh, uh Relator, any uh did you want to say something in reference to some of the things that were stated?
10: I, I, We've found it to be very promising in organizing our people out of some of these other ideologies or philosophies that don't fully suit us. If you know what I mean? I think, our people just don't understand the African or the black perspective on these entities, these groups, these, uh, you know, Abrahamic religions and other things. I think we organize with them and show them there's another way. We're not trying to convince them that, you know, what, you know, what they say, big mama, what help big mama, uh, keep a leg or something you know I ain't, you know I ain't trying to kill that for you what I am trying to kill is a reliance on white thinking and white understanding of this world and thinking that that's going to lead to some kind of black liberation if you get what I mean and so uh, we just try to push and organize our people uh, you know I talk about Stokely or Carmen Torrey a lot because he found a beautiful way to, to make sure that he keep a Sura and, and keep a scripture to organize our, the masses of our people, no matter where I meet you. And so I think if we attack it in that way, and we need we our people where they are even spiritually or, or how they're pre-organized, we can gain this, this, this black United front in a real way, in a real time, uh, you know, even where we disagree, but we disagree without violence.
1: Brother West, thank you for your contribution. Thank you very much. Peace. Let's go again to Mississippi 662. 662, are you there?
11: Yes, sir. All right. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. This is Brother Patrick. How are you, sir? I'm well, man. I'm even better. Now that I hear this brother, this uh I'ma call this brother Murphy. Uh this, this 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 brother here, Tory Russell. Uh this brother I have been listening to you uh for the last past two hours. I did drop off the call for a minute, but uh I got back on and it was more of the same. Um, <laughs> so many things I appreciate about you, brother, uh Tory. In so many ways your organizing efforts and mimic those that we practice here. In Mississippi, uh, across the diaspora of Mississippi. Um, I wrote down a lot of things that I'd like to say, but I know due to time we're not going to be able to do that. But I'm sure Brother Elliot and Brother Richard will connect us. Um, and uh, Brother Elliot, uh, I'm so glad that you made sure that I tune in tonight because uh, Brother Tory, um, you epitomize what I call an organizer. And I'm thankful for your transparency because uh, one of my greatest teachers, Dr. Isaac Richmond, he told me, he said, Brother Patrick, if you're going to teach people, if you're going to lead black people to liberation, you got to be clear. And you are very clear, brother. You are very clear, brother. Uh, your work speaks for you, and you're very clear. And I appreciate that. I appreciate. I can hear it in your whole delivery. I can hear everything in your whole uh, being, how serious you are. And I appreciate that so much. Um, I like to tie not with the International Black Freedom Alliance, uh, with the Black Liberation Movement and the that we are doing down here in Mississippi because your civic dynamics mimic ours here in Mississippi so much. I was listening to you talk about the demographics, uh, there and, uh, around and, uh, surrounding uh, Ferguson, St. Louis and all, that's all across Mississippi, you know. And uh, I see that you have an extensive knowledge of, of Mississippi and Jackson. And not only that, brother, I appreciate your historical analysis because you go back to one of the greatest teachers that we ever had, and that's the great Kwame uh, Touré. I was just talking to one of the young brothers that lead organizing here in Mississippi, uh, the, uh, the street organizations here. And we trying to align and gain, gain political uh, momentum with the street organizations we were talking about Kwame. And I told him, I said, if somebody offers me a million dollars, I said, you take this million dollars, uh, you can teach like Kwame Toure.' I would most definitely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, take the ability to be able to teach like Kwame Toure." Because these are the people, the organizers, that we should be drawing from. And I think, you know, the organizers in this day and time, well, the activists in this day and time, uh, we fail to draw from our historical blueprint. I like to call them black print. We, we fail to draw from that. And people like Corman, who came here and traversed places like Mississippi, places where black people are in. I mean, you can't go in a county in Mississippi and not find black people, period. So, um, you know, with that being said, I know we're close to the end of this show. Uh, I'm glad that I was able to hear you, Brother Torrey, and I appreciate you very much, brother, and I'm looking forward to talking with you even more so that we can become more congruent in what it is that you are doing and what we're doing here and what other people across the country are doing. And it's like my, my great piece of Dr. Uh, Laverne Murphy always told me, he said, "We're not as divided as we are disconnected. We just got to connect them dots. And I think a couple of them dots got connected tonight. And that's why I tell you, brother Elliot and brother Richard, you are, you all are so important. And, 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 and tuning in every week has done a tremendous thing for me to be able to tune in every week and hear brothers like Tory Russell and, uh, and 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 Doctor West as they got off the the line. So I appreciate you." And that's all that I really had to say, but uh Brother Tori, I want to connect with you, and I want to invite you to a this year's summit uh as well, so we'll talk about that uh we'll we'll exchange numbers hopefully, and we can talk about that but I appreciate you very much, Brother, and I appreciate this show.
1: Thank you for your contribution, brother. We'll be in touch hmm. okay brother tory let me let me uh. Take, uh, go to a couple more and see if that. uh Let's go to Newport News. Newport News. Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to New York City.
20: 646. 646. Hey, Richard and Ellie, how y'all brothers doing, man? Yes, sir. I was just listening. I was listening to the show. Pretty, um, interesting show. What's going on there in, um, St. Louis, man. You know, it seems like it's um going all over the place with our our people, and um you know I'm I, I'm really disturbed by what's happening with this situation, and um in Florida, man. I mean, something something really really has to be done about this situation in Florida because they are absolutely out of control. I, I've, I've never seen nothing like it. Well, I can't think of I can't think of anything like it at this time. What's going on in what, What's going on in Florida with the legislation and in, in, in this governor? And it doesn't seem like there's really any sort of um, strategic organization going on other than these clowns, the NAACP talking about boycotting Florida, man. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to have all, 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 all your people around the country boycott Coca-Cola, man, or Pepsi. That's the real deal. You want to stop this shit? Just boycott Pepsi or Coca-Cola. All black people boycott Pepsi or Coca-Cola and I guarantee you, it'll stop. Because you just got to break one of these corporations. That's the only way. Other than that, this is just going to continuously come down on our heads because our organizations, we don't have no type of clear vision on how to deal or address this. The only thing you hear from these Negroes is, well, we got to vote. We got to get new people in <laughs> office so that they can go and know all these things. Now, I think we understand enough of the history to know did Negroes who ever got into office or people who support um Negroes ever change the direction of the policies that were put in place to do harm to us? Does history prove that that question is for you richard well right now i'm
9: I'm listening um to brother Tory and 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 not dealing with the question of the history but dealing with what's in front of us and who is doing the work, um, you know, right now. And I think that that's more important and relevant than what, um, without knowing what's going on in Florida, um, you know, to hear what brother Tory is saying and how he's outlining, you know, the effort that, and and the work and the programs that they're putting together in, you know, St. Louis, um, you know, I think that that's, that, that gives an indication, uh, not hope, of of where we're going. And, you really? know, so I, I think that um, other than that, it, then we have to evaluate ourselves and what we're doing
20: and, or not. And you
9: say I'm not pushing any more one way or another. I hear what you're saying, um, and I think it, it moves away from... Um, you know what, Brother Tory and those around him is doing. Um, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I think it moves away from that. Um, and what so, you so think-
20: you think that the masses? So you think yeah, that the masses? Yeah, with
9: the masses. I'm dealing with Brother Tory and others like him,
20: and what they're doing. So so you think so you think that the masses are black folks? Are gonna follow Brother Tory? I didn't say follow. no. no, no. It's about- I'm, 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 I mean that—that's what you have to do in order to make a, a change, Richard. You have to follow someone or something to be able to make the necessary. Changes. Well, so I, 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 well, I'm let, just saying that there there has it. to be some semblance of a, there has to be some sort of semblance of a coordinated struggle in regards to well, this glass is half full or is this glass half empty? Because the reality is this. I think what the brother was saying for the last two hours is absolutely hey on point, but do you think honestly that the people are going to follow what he's saying? Well, I mean, nope, I'm, I'm, nope. I'm well, well let me question. say. Let, let
1: me say this: It's not about people following necessarily what Brother tory is saying, or you heard Brother Patrick uh from Mississippi is saying. It's not about them following them. It's about, especially after these things is happening, whether you're talking about what's going on in Florida whether you're talking about this affirmative action that just got kicked off uh, or kicked over, or whether you're talking about that Mississippi law of 1890 being upheld by the Supreme Court. It's about our people being involved in a liberation movement. Our people going to start being involved in some type of liberation movement? It doesn't have to be following
9: Brother Tory or Brother Patrick, Mm -hmm. because they they got the chief in in Tulsa, Brother Chief in Tulsa. Yes, or the Uh, the brother that we had in Tulsa.
1: Yeah, because listen, have, the the people that you're talking we have about,
10: we a lot of brilliant
11: minds.
1: Go, go ahead, go um, ahead,
11: brother. Story. Because I, I, I hear the I hear the elders
10: speaking, and I just want to synthesize from from what we understand, right? I heard my family in Philly and in and New York, and, and, and you know, y'all some y'all y'all some cold brothers. I'm not, you know, y'all, y'all y'all see it, you know. I'm a Mississippi, Alabama. Uh, you know, I'm a son of. People that's from Mississippi and Alabama and East St. Louis that we brought up, I'm um, 89 blocks of just concentrated poverty. So I ain't lost my community, uh, tribal, village mindset. We're not looking for people to necessarily follow. What we are doing is looking for people that we can unite with in the work. I'm trying to figure out what you're doing, where you at, and how I can assist. And that amazing effort that's liberating our people, what we do in St. Louis, we not only do it in St. Louis, we do it in Richmond, Virginia. Um, we do it in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, we do it in Minneapolis, in St. Paul. Uh, we do a books and breakfast in Louisville. We just, we're just we building a library in Jamaica. Uh, we're attempting to put, one, a political education library in Senegal and, and next in, in the Horn of Africa. Um, and then we were returning. Um, we we're having a plan in the trip to go to Puerto Rico to organize one of the largest public housing units for Black people in the country, which is uh, Louisa, uh, Puerto Rico. It's one of the blackest towns in, in the United States. And what we're saying is, is if you don't have something to do, then we will train you up and and and, and create a book and breakfast to combat what they're doing around not teaching our history. We need to go back to the things. You're not following that. We're just doing what the Panthers did and we're just doing what Garvey did. All we want to do is our greatest gifts to our elders and our ancestors is to correct their mistakes uh, and right all of their wrongs if they're not here to write them themselves. And so all we want to do is find out people who want to be free more than they want to be a part of this system that don't love us. And I think if we could all be passionate, not about just the fight, but passionate about organizing how we win the fight, I think we have less conversations around leadership or following. And we to you know, we, we talk like the brother in Mississippi said, we gotta get to all of our people. From the from the from the street poets to the street drug dealers to the drug dealers who sell it at the dispensary, from the drug dealers who sell it at big pharma if we can race-conscious our people to be unified to do something positive that's going to lead to freedom, I don't care what it is. So our organization, we do economic organizing, we do grassroots, we do pamphlets programs, we do electoral campaigns, we train people how to vote, what to run on the election. Uh, We work with people who are starting forums in Africa. So we have no kind of way of not getting to the solution. we just waiting on our people to say, that sounds really good. Can you come do that with us? Or I would like to learn what y'all doing so I can do it in my community. I think the more of us working together, I think we have less conversations about what's the way forward and we have more conversation about how much time we put into the solution.
20: Do you ever ask yourself, do our people want to be free? Do you, do, do, you ever, do you ever ask that question to yourself? With, with, with everything that you just says, it seems to me that it really boils down to, and I, I argue this point all the time, do black people really want to give up their so-called position or perceived position in whiteness? 'cause that's 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 really what the sickness boils down to is people wanna be really loved by white people they 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 wanna be accepted they wanna be embraced they wanna be not feared they don't want to be african they don't they don't wanna be self sustaining they don't they don't wanna be these these well, things because well, well, look, look, if you look. wanted to be those things, the masses would give up this, this nonsense, I mean, you know, hold on a second,
1: hold on. You're talking about a small percentage of our people that have bought into being gatekeepers. Now, if you're talking about the masses of our people, you just heard brother Tory say that he has had personal conversations with several hip hop artists, rappers, it it spans the gamut. And he said, and not only just in the United States and other places and he said that the main problem is ignorance of our situation. It's not that our people are satisfied in being uh, 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 under this man's thumb. You just heard him say it. This is a man that's an organizer, not a man just, and I'm not saying that you just a uh, uh, armchair or sit back on the couch. I'm not saying that. This is not from a man that's sitting back on the couch just making observations saying, Oh, our people don't want to do nothing. This is a man that's out there organizing. He said the problem is our people don't know. They don't know their situation. They're not using historical perspective on dealing with this. They just react. You heard him say it. Oh, so hey, stop, hey, hey, saying, hey, stop saying stop saying that our people don't want to be, be free.
20: You cannot be in that position after being oppressed by someone for over five hundred years. That that I don't I don't believe that. I don't I don't entertain okay. that all right. all right. well, because all right. there's too much information out there. But okay. listen well, no I think problem. what he's doing is great. I respect what he's doing and not support him a hundred percent. But you gotta ask yourself these questions also. But thank you, brother. Yes. You can you can put me on hold. I appreciate you, brother, dearly.
1: Thank you for your contribution, brother. Brother Tori, yes, sir. <laughs> man, we'd love to, we'd love to have I you. I
10: love
20: up. our people.
1: Oh, I love our people. I know you. Listen, talk,
20: we, you wouldn't
10: do plan, what you're we, doing if you did. We don't know. We don't even know what freedom is. So, to me, to ask you, or do you want to be free? I, I would be setting you up. I, I know they don't want to be hungry every day. I know they're tired of their housing I know they i know they they i know their school they know their school ain't teaching their baby right. I know they got a hard shot of getting to college, let alone a black one. I know they're tired of the economy i'm I know they're tired of everybody owning the businesses and their community don't look like them, and even some of the negroes that do don't invest in the community to build it up and so I don't know if they want to be free or even understand what free is. I know they want to change their condition <laughs> and so we just show up. When when and where they ready, and even sometimes before they ready, we might put a books and breakfast program right there. Just you know what 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 what, what they say spiritually, you know you just you know or Big Mama will say you just leave a light on and you know you can come by. <laughs> That's how we want our people to join the movement. You see you see the light on. You see we we feeding people in St. Louis. We give out over four hundred healthy food, fresh fresh vegetables and watermelon every week. We bought all the black farmers, uh, you know, produce and harvest, and we will be buying them out through the month of August because we've organized the nonprofits and and the people that want to fund that. We push them to do a whole black supply chain. I know our people might not know where freedom is, but they know it's black people waving their red, black, and green, loving on them, telling them black power, glad to see you, and we teach them how to cook them squash and them eggplants. And they're coming from black farmers now. They just want to change the conditions, and we just want to be there when they want. We just want to be as help to our people.
1: Listen, before I brother, sorry, before we wind things up, and i let you go, let, let me say this, because it goes to what uh, the call out of uh, uh, New Orleans, Brother Wes had mentioned about uh, the enemies of our people uh, knowing what we're trying to do because they have sent people in to see what we're doing. Now, we see people like Brother Tory, uh, Chief that was on with us up there in Tulsa about two, three weeks ago, uh, Brother Patrick down in Mississippi, uh, men like Charles Barron and all in, in New York. We see what people are doing all across the country. And the organizing efforts of those people. Now, if you think those efforts are not going to be fruitful, let me again read this to you, and this is for our listening audience, because the NAACP is having their convention in Boston, and I just read to you the letter that, uh, 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 uh Brother Siddiqui up there in Boston, uh, that the uh, press release that he sent to them when he confronted them about what's going on. Let me read to you. If you think these efforts of us organizing are not being watched, this is uh, again, for immediate release by the NAACP talking about their convention in Boston that's happening on the 26th to August 1st. And it says the NAACP members, uh, and local residents will convene uh, to celebrate the black community's collective power through workshops, uh, planning sessions, panel discussions. We will forge a path forward on the most pressing issues facing the black community, which include voter suppression, affirmative action, police brutality. And their keynote speaker is going to be Hillary Clinton. So if that's not telling you something. I don't know what is that on these efforts to help our people move forward that Hillary Clinton is the keynote speaker by a quote unquote black organization that's supposed to be uh, helping black people move towards some semblance of freedom. If that's not telling you something, then I don't know what is. Then I'm living in the twilight zone like Brother Tory said. I'm in an alternate universe. Brother Tory, listen, I want to thank you for being with us. Uh, I hope this ain't the last time you're with us because we're going to be reaching out to you, brother.
10: Oh, of course not.
1: <laughs>
10: before, it's, it's like home. And <laughs> I knew Brother Richard. Me and Brother Richard met online before, so it's beautiful to, oh, Richard, to, to meet our elders.
1: He didn't tell me yeah. that. <laughs> Richard, uh, Richard, uh, Richard kind of you know moves on.
10: <laughs> Richard kind of He don't around. remember, but he was a brilliant brother, in a room, in a space, he was teaching and we was organizing, and he was important in wisdom, so I'm I'm just always grateful to be amongst elders and, and people who do this work and care about this work enough to give time, so I just wanted to say that, and this feel like home, you know, and so whenever we have a press release, we'll definitely send it, whenever we... Um, whenever we have, you know, we're sending out the nine-year commemoration, and, and we humbly invite y'all uh, to the ten-year anniversary of the, uh, what we call the Ferguson Rebellion. We would love to have
9: you, and well, I would love to be back here. Before you and leave, I remember, oh, <laughs> thank you for that. Before you leave, give
1: out any numbers, anything, how people can get involved, uh, if they want to donate some money, how they can help. The floor is yours, brother.
10: Oh, I appreciate that. So, I'm a part of a, a grassroots black organization. All grassroots mean is community, all organization means is family. And so, I'm, we are part of this thing called the International Black Freedom Alliance. We're a global, all black organization. We align. So, if, if you've got your own group, you are join with you in doing the fight. Um, if you're a solo activist, or you want to learn to be an organizer we ask everybody to go to the dot aorg and, and come fight this good fight with us if you got any questions you can go there and join the newsletter or you could just email us directly at the t-h-e-i-b-f-a at gmail.com and so if you hear it and say, "I want to hear more about that," I want to learn. I want to talk to somebody. I need somebody to organize some of those things that you're talking about. Man, I want to work on reparations. Or, or I, I see Brother Richard doing a little alternative task force on reparations. Can you train me to do that? Yes, we can because we're connected with Black Panthers, people from Black uh, Liberation Army. You know, we are part of a whole network of Black people all around the world who care about our people enough to lean in. And so if you want to join that, you can go to v-t-h-e-i-b-s-a dot org. And if you just want to put $5 on it, just click on support. You can pay through Cash App or PayPal, and we can do our thing. I love y'all, black people. I love y'all, family. We will be free. I want to say that, too. We're not organizing for freedom in the next generation. We are organizing freedom in our lifetime. So my gift to my elders is I want to see y'all walk and enjoy some freedom. We just left, we just lost Matulu. Those people deserve freedom. <laughs> and I, as a younger person to you, we will organize that because our kids deserve free people problems and not oppress people problems. There you go. And so let's organize the tenacity of actually getting free in our lifetime. I love y'all black people.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Brother, <laughs> Brother Troy, I'm going to put you in touch with Brother Patrick down in Mississippi. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Peace. Peace now. We'll be right back to wind things up.
6: Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today 484-268-9837. Escape the Digital
14: Plantation. abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumi.tv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your Global Commits you Black family to join your interconnected, commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital yeah, plantation. A new era, a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for ten or twelve years to a struggle for genuine equality. And this
3: is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go
14: this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of
17: genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking about non-segregation, as people devoid or thinking they're devoid of racism do you have any idea of what they want the Negro to be in America I think the vast majority of white Americans uh,
3: will go but so far it's a kind of installment plan for equality and uh, they're always looking for an excuse uh, to go but so far
15: and know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep
2: Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of their time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who've achieved recognition. But look at Raph Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Mary Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young. But I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The Examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated, humiliated. Not being able to fight back is a form of severe punishment.
3: I come here tonight and plead with you. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own emancipation proclamation. Don't let anybody take your manhood.
2: Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform.
13: It's coming. This is to be Black Liberation Movement. Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club presents the seventh annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. Building Power Summit, Free the Land, Undivide, and Reclaim, September 15th to the 17th. Jackson, Mississippi at the historic Black Tugaloo College. Portions of the conference to be aired on time for an Awakening Media, Black Talk Radio Network. Calling all serious black power organizations, revolutionaries, organizers to attend this divine experience. For more information, contact Brother Patrick Lumumba, 662-560-5434. Sister Crystal Denise, 405-361-4751. And Brother Nick Bezel, 512-364-0050. That's the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023.
2: Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Richard, yes, inter- yes. interesting conversation this evening. I, do, I, I, I don't know what to say.
9: You know, wow. It's, it's where we get to hear the voice of another generation being clear, uh, you know, uh, recognizing what doing, what has to be done and being not just hopeful, but being, you know, um having a clear vision of what um they're trying to achieve locally nationally and internationally that is um you can't ask you can't ask coming out of I'm going to call it that 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 fire right the, you know in the egyptian um principle is a benu bird and you know the, you know the 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 greeks you know called it the phoenix you know where you have the you know the resurrection, the resurrection of the birth, where you you know new life is um um brought up out of the fire, and um brother Tori's you know represents for me that that new life coming out of you know the incident that happened in um you know East St. Louis around you know the um, Michael Brown's um you know tragic end. And you can't ask no more. You can't ask from the ancestors. You can't ask no more from us, you know, to be able to witness that and be engaged in in that dialogue. You, you can't ask no more than that um, as far as to be hopeful, not hopeful, have um the willingness to know that things are not always going to be as they are.
1: Richard, we come to the end of another program before we leave tonight, uh, did line up on time for an awakening meeting Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's African perspectives with brother. Oshie. always interesting topics and dialogue on African perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. later on in the week, Mississippi on the move, brother, Patrick movement and the black liberation movement in Mississippi. You just heard his, uh, promo there for the, uh, the Black Liberation Summit, Richard.
9: Yeah, I, yeah, things are moving.
1: Yeah, so he's uh, he's kind of heavily involved in orga- uh, organizing or f- putting the finishing touches on uh, what's going to be happening in September. And that's uh, Thursdays from seven to eight. Uh, on Sa- Fridays, time for awakening is back from eight until on Saturdays from seven to nine. The Elders of Sanco for with Dr. Janine James is host. And then Sunday, time for Awakening is back from 7. Until I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace.
0: If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon. Watching your children play after school.